Storm Bowling Products, the Bowler's Company presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight is Chad Murphy. Chad is a USBC Executive Director. Chad, Tim Berg, and Coach K, Steve Klemkin here. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Love what you guys do. Appreciate the opportunity. Well, Chad, we got a lot of stuff to cover, so here's what me and Steve are thinking we'd do. We'd begin the first part. We'll focus mainly on collegiate bowling and some of the new rules and stuff going on with college bowling. Maybe then focus on a little bit with the PWBA and some of the uh, do a recap a little bit of the season and then maybe hit a little bit of the Open Championship and some uh, talk about rules and such and integrity on bowling. So, so let's begin first off, I guess, with collegiate bowling. Uh, one of the big topics over the summer has been the rules which talk about altering the surface of your bowling balls using cleaners, abrasives, polishes, all that stuff now. It's, com- it's uh, not allowed during the warm-up session prior to your squad. Uh, you mentioned on Facebook you talked about teams burning up the pattern and making it easier for themselves, and you referred to the pattern integrity being gone when this is accomplished by that team. Aren't bowlers always trying to find a, a way to make the lanes a little bit easier and push that legal limit to gain any advantage that they can? Yeah, and it's it's kind of one of those interesting things, right? As bowlers, we're, you know, we want to create an advantage, but sometimes we're our, our own worst enemies. We we like to talk about the integrity of the sport and how it's lost and some of the same some of those same topics while at the same time we're trying to carve a pattern that's very difficult out to be a league pattern to make it easier for us and so we've you know done a lot of we spent a lot of time and energy on it we brought a group in uh really the topic of that group was uh our our professional competitive environments the u.s open was specifically the topic and and you guys will remember the changes there but surface adjustments became uh, a major you know, topic of conversation. If you guys remember the ball motion study that was done several years ago, you know, surface is the number one factor in, in ball performance. And um, I got to collegiate last year and I got asked if, um, if that rule change was going to apply to collegiate. And, and I had been very upfront and honest that said we hadn't discussed it, that we were going to run it at the U.S. Open um, and, and see how it went. But with all the activity at, at, at ITCs last year and, and the way it went down, um, it was just obvious that it was probably time to, to use that. The collegiate arena for us um, has been a very proactive group historically. Not a lot of people remember it, but it, they were the first group to limit the number of bowling balls um, in the postseason events, um, first group to not show the pattern. Um, this was just kind of a natural next step um, to really see how it plays out, but it turned into a little bit of a thing last year and, and it's nobody's doing anything wrong. You know, we're all just products of our environment. And if we can create an advantage by playing a part of the lane that we'd like to play instead of the one that was the pattern was designed to play, um, it makes it easier for us. But if we're going to spend the amount of time and energy on, on crafting and building these patterns, um, I think you guys are probably aware we hired Nick Hoagland to come in and help us out with the space. Um, a, a noted expert, uh, subject matter, matter expert um, Nick works with Kegel um, on all of our tournaments, uh, with the exception of collegiate. Um, 
and and we just feel like this is a way to to really see if it's possible to uh, move the sport forward in this way. Now, do you think, Chad, that that will? I mean, as far as affect scoring, do you think the the goal is that to kind of reduce the scoring average in college at those tournaments? Do you think like scoring's too high currently? Or? No, I mean, I don't even know if it's a real scoring issue as much as it is a integrity of the competition issue. You know, scoring is is what it is. I would I would probably venture to say if if they would you know play where the pattern was designed to play and they would all play there, uh, scoring might go up. Um, it, it, it really might uh, go up. Um, but the, the real problem is that, you know, we, we can't operate the tournament efficiently without people bowling on burn. And with the limit of the bowling balls, you know, having that pattern integrity across the house is, is important if, if you're maintaining that consistency throughout the competition. So it's not as much of a scoring issue as it is, you know, intent and design of the competition and having people play multiple angles to be successful. One of the real, you know, kind of buzzwords when I came into collegiate was everybody's lofting it halfway down the lane and, and we'd like to get rid of that. And so, you know, one of the reasons we brought Nick in uh, for that first collegiate championships where we, you know, kind of changed it, I asked Nick to, um, I told him he had two things that he needed to do uh, to get to be able to come back for year two. And the first one was we didn't want to see anybody lofting over the gutter cap. They could play the left gutter and lay it down, but but we didn't want anybody lofting the gutter cap, and we didn't want anybody to average 200. And we 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 succeeded in both of those spaces. Uh, we had one team that barely averaged 200, uh, but everybody was playing further right on the lane, and we had a great champion that year, and and have kind of moved forward with that. So no, it's not really a scoring issue as much as it is. As it is uh, consistency throughout the competition of the design intent. So, Chad, do you think this will affect the college programs that are maybe on a shoestring budget who may not have, who use that ability to change surfaces to create an extra ball in their arsenal as opposed to traveling with extra? Or, or was that kind of the point, too, is to make the players be more versatile in their game as well and prepare them for uh, adult, you know, adult bowling? Yeah, player versatility is a is a big part of it all the way, you know, throughout the sport. You remember what we did with the, the U.S. Open last year where we wanted the winner to, to have to play three or more angles rather than just playing one. And so that's certainly a piece of it. I don't think that um, the question on its face is, is necessarily a piece of it because, you know, I mean, everybody has the same opportunity to change the surface or tune in. And if we were tuning in the reaction, you know, I don't know that we'd be looking at it. Although, when you think about someone using a fresh pad on a ball and someone being eight kids, six kids on a team, and then you think about all the bowling that goes on through that space, um, think of how much of the lanes being saved over a day just by taking that pad away for that 15 minutes. The pattern's just going to hold up longer. Um, one of the reasons why those kids were lofting it over the gutter cap is because this has been allowed for so long. Some of those patterns were designed with good intent. Uh, but, you know, if the pattern says you play at 5-6 to start, you carve it out, you're playing 15-16 to start, there's nowhere to go but in, and you end up lofting the gutter cap. We'd like the, the fresh to play further to the right, and then we're okay as it migrates, you know, into the middle of the lane. But 
we we just don't really feel like you know throwing the ball halfway down at the the lane and at the end of the day is is the way we should crown a champion and it also impacts you know the way um a best of 7 match is decided you can end up on a on a better lane if you will uh based on who practiced where and the seating that goes with that so um i don't know that it's you know team on a shoestring as much as it is um the it's just turned into pure chaos and and we're just trying to rein it in a little bit Hey, I think uh, USBC Collegiate, um, I think it was just recently, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, as far as the number of collegiate bowling programs you have, it's up over 200 now, isn't it? Yeah, we're really excited about that. I, I presented um, Gary Brown a, a gift at Collegiate Nationals this year because I, I think it's one of those milestones that um, really has shown how successful this program has been and, and how much Gary's worked on it. Gary and I uh, when when the youth departments first came together, I remember the first meeting when we talked about writing a business plan for collegiate, and our goal was to get to 200 teams. We had about 175 or 176 at the time. So, you know, I always say celebrate the successes and research the failures. And getting to 200 teams was just a huge success for, I think, Gary personally, but all of the coaches uh, that have been involved since uh, within collegiate bowling uh, the forefathers, when you really think about it, all the way back in the 70s, it's a, it's a pretty cool thing to think about and talk about it. And we're really excited about it. And, and Gary and all the folks have worked really hard on it. And I'm proud of them. So, so what exactly do you think? I mean, as far as as far as for what Gary has uh, has done and kind of brought to the table. Um, I'm, I mean, I know he was, um, you know, very instrumental also in in junior gold. We met with him um, this past winter, and then just in the in the summer when the tournament just kind of uh, just got wrapped up last month, and that was hugely, hugely successful as well, too. I would have to assume that, you know, with all of these uh, entries we had in junior gold, uh, you know, 3,400 or so of them, uh, that's going to help feed also into collegiate bowling and maybe continue to help it grow, huh? Yeah, I mean, the, we created what we, we call a development ladder of, of youth bowling, and the pinnacle of that is obviously collegiate bowling. If you've seen what we've done with junior gold and, and adding the divisions you know, from when it was just competed as U-20s and and now U-15s and U-12s, it's not going to be that long uh, that a 10- or 11-year-old is competitive at junior gold, maybe wins the U-12 division, uh, moves on to, to U-15, does well, then U-20 and becomes a collegiate champion. I mean, that's a pretty good youth bowling career. Um, but Gary's been with me, you know, since the beginning of all of that, and we certainly took some hits. Some people thought we were a little crazy. I remember somebody telling me that um, there was no market for U-12s and that we were, you know, ruining the integrity of the program by doing it. But um, it's been a lot of fun to, to watch and, and be a part of. Um, specifically to the collegiate piece, you know, uh, working with the coaches is a is a fun but challenging thing. And, and putting coaches together or people with, um, you know, other college governance structures you know, I, I remember my, my first trip out to the Michigan State High School Athletic Association and into New York and then sitting with, you know, the folks at NCAA. And, and Gary's really been the catalyst for that, you know, for a lot of years. NAIA is really excited about college bowling. They would put as many college bro- programs on the floor as people willing to work uh, with it in those institutions. They found it to be a, a really positive thing uh, for their bottom line. Uh, to be completely candid about it, 
And Gary's worked with NAIA closely and the coaches of the NAIA schools to really expand the reach of that program. Um, they needed 40 to be classified as a, um, they marked it as emerging sport several years ago. Uh, we've surpassed 40 schools in NAIA now, so they're, they're working on a, a program to hold the national championships in NAIA, similar to the way NCAA does on the women's side. So it's a you know, pretty exciting time for collegiate play. Yeah, Chad, you bring up the NCAA, which uh, we all know in other sports seem to be very strict and restrictive with their rules, policies. We just had Junior Gold and Indy. Uh, you know, the ceremonies were right downtown, right next. You know, the big, huge NCAA building was right there in the, in the forefront. Yeah. Um, but it yeah. seems like when it comes to bowling, the NCAA is a little less restrictive with pattern announcement and even ball sanding. Any thoughts on that and maybe getting something where they, these pat, you know, where we kind of mesh a little bit closer together on things? Well, I think they actually have come a little closer. I know there was a story out recently that Riggs or somebody wrote, but um, the NCAA postseason isn't um, isn't showing the patterns um, and, until on site, and and so uh, they have moved a little closer to where where we have gone in the past. But in the end, it's a separate governance structure. Um, their coaches working with the NCAA are very, very closely tied together. And so I, I think the way the coaches would like to see that go moving forward is the way it'll, it'll be, as it's always been, that original group of, of coaches with Coach Straub and Coach Holmes. Um, they've just done a wonderful job with that program. But, you know, here at USBC, we, you know, really feel strongly about pushing the, the integrity of the sport to a, a higher level. And we hope over time that, that NCAA will, will follow along. But, we support them in whatever they choose and, and how they want to choose to govern it um, um, as they go. Well, that concludes part one of our three-part series that uh, we had a chance to sit down and chat with USBC Executive Director Chad Murphy. You want to check out all the other interviews that myself and Steve have done, you can check those out above180.com. They're right on the uh, Storm Collegiate Spotlight tab. Just check out the latest interviews there. But coming up next week, we're going to get back into it with Chad Murphy. We're going to talk about the PWBA, so stay tuned for that interview. Again, check out all of our interviews on Above180.com. 